It was mid-morning, and I was sitting passenger seat in my dad's red pickup truck. The sun was shining, and old blues tunes were playing, and the necessary car snack bag that was perched between my dad and me. We had just hit the highway, and I was sporting my brand new Drake sweatshirt, and I was mentally preparing for six hours in the car with my father. And right before I took the first of many naps, my dad asked me to call my mom and just let her know that we hit the road and we're heading back to Chicago after my first official college visit. That was August 6, 2010. I wasn't on the phone for more than a minute when I knew something was wrong. Long, somber sighs filled the space between my mother and I as she spoke the words, Grandma has cancer. Stage four, the worst it could be. And I remember sitting there and watching the white lines on the car or on the street go past by. As my mother was talking, tears started to stream down my face. My voice started to shake, my breathing quickened, and I remember just starting to sob uncontrollably. This was also the first time I remember seeing my father cry as we sat in silence on the side of the highway together. You see, my family had never received this type of news before. And so this was the start of five other cancer diagnoses that would come with a vengeance into my life for the next two years. It was the start when cancer became the enemy, the enemy that brought the worst possible thing that this world gave, which was death. And so at the age of 17, I was filled with fury, anger at this distant God who I grew up believing in, but now he bestowed this evil thing upon our family. So in the last few months of my high school career, I began to become increasingly aware of people who were affected by cancer. And so when my, my creative writing teacher asked us to produce a document, documentary, I took my teenage angst and I marched up and I said, I'm doing one on cancer. So I marched to the local cancer support center and I grabbed a camcorder and I walked in and I started interviewing people. I interviewed people with cancer, family members affected by cancer, and then I ended on an art therapist. And I remember sitting behind the camera and I was taking notes and I was trying to find this common thread. The common thread between stories that validated how I was feeling, how awful and angry I was feeling. But you know what I found? People just saying, if you love more, you know, your everyday situation, you're more positive, then everything will work out, it will be fine. Well, it wasn't. People around me kept dying and no one was telling me that it was okay. They were saying just be more positive and I knew that was a false hope. I didn't know where to find that hope that they had. I didn't know what books to read, I didn't know what songs to listen to, I didn't even know what to say when people asked me how I was feeling. So through the years I pushed that anger down and I hid it. And then so I remember one day after work, a grueling day at work, I was sitting at my kitchen island and I remember finishing my dinner, my roommate was in and out of her room, and I was asking her about her day to make me feel better about mine, and my phone rang. And it was my dad, and I thought, yes, dad's calling, I have a list of things he needs to do on my car the next time I visit home, and my check engine light just went on, so I have to start talking. 
So I monopolized the conversation for a good three minutes before remembering, oh yeah, my dad was the one who called me. So I said, hey dad, how are you mom doing? And that's when his voice slowed down. And I just picture him looking at his shoes saying, honey, I'm so sorry to have to tell you this over the phone, but grandma died today. Boom, a sharp turn of events. I was pushing down this anger for eight years because she had good treatment and it came rushing over me and came out as tears. Yet again, I was sobbing with my dad, but this time he was 400 miles away. So I gathered myself and I went into my room and I grabbed my Bible, a Bible I bought maybe four years ago and started filling with prayers and tabs and notes. And it was the same Bible I would bring home to my grandma's funeral. Only this time I added a handwritten letter by her, a really unfortunate seventh grade photo of me and her, and I tabbed the first reading that I was to read at her funeral. That day in the church, there was not a dry eye as I read God's word about her legacy as a noble mother, grandmother, and wife. Years or weeks went by, and I finally got back into my routine of going to church, 9.15 with the same people, the same seats. Perry was leading worship. And I didn't know the song that was playing, so I did what anyone else would do, and I started swaying to the music and read it right off the screen. And we came to a song, and I remember reading, Take Me Wider Than the Atmosphere, Where East and West Just Disappear. And I was overcome by this wave of emotion yet again. And I started to think about where my grandma was because I knew she wasn't here on earth. And I felt her presence, not physically, of course, but in an emotional way. And the thousands of people in hope just started to fade. And I stood there and I began to cry. And I began to feel sad and lonely and wonder, but love and not one ounce of anger. Not one. This emotion that I had with me for eight years was gone. And I thought if God could be bigger than death, then God was bigger than cancer. And so you often hear about God's miracles as being ones that cure cancer from people. But on May 2nd, 2018, my grandma died. But now I know that I'll see her again in heaven and I wonder what she'll have to say to me. Thank you.